Matthew chapter 6, so I invite you to turn there. The Sermon on the Mount, a part of it, is what we're looking at. Matthew 6, and uh, this evening I'm going to ask for a volunteer to read verses 16 through 18. Someone please stand and read that. Sam, Jay, you look like you're willing to. Thank you. As you see, our topic is, uh, or the subject of this text is fasting. I plan to uh, expand that a bit beyond uh, just fasting. Uh, <clears throat> I wasn't sure what the best order would be in which to give my uh, presentation this evening, but I think I'll uh, start with uh, hindrances to, to prayer. We talked about this a little last evening, uh, some areas of it. Uh, the reason I'm bringing this in is, well, because I think it's important to think about it, but uh, it seems to me it ties in with the subject of fasting. We fast to overcome some of those hindrances, don't we? Uh, that's the purpose of fasting, or one purpose, is because there are things that tend to keep us from praying as we could pray and ought to pray, and so we fast to overcome some of those things. So I think I would just like to look at, uh, at this, first of all, hindrances to prayer. And I would like to open it up. What, what are some things that you feel uh, are a hindrance, maybe some things that you experience that hinder you at times from praying as you know you ought to and would want to? Yes. Your tongue. My phone. My phone. My phone. Your phone. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll probably talk about that yet. <laughs> What else? Busyness. Busyness. Is that what you said? Yeah. Anything else? Well, it doesn't hinder me so much anymore. Years ago, I was eating too much. Okay. That's where fasting comes in, right? Thanks, Tim. We'll get to that, Dave, possibly. Okay, well, uh, I have a few things here, and hopefully we can discuss this as we go. Uh, now, the first one I have is unconfessed sin. I'm putting this sort of in a category by itself. The other things that I have listed are more in the line of, of, uh, of lack of personal discipline, things that aren't sin in themselves, but that that can and will hinder us from prayer. But uh, I thought I should bring this in first. I think we know well enough that when there's sin in our life, that uh, that does hinder us from praying. Uh, I can recall times in my life when uh, there was something that I knew I should confess to someone. Maybe it might have been something I said or something I did to a person. And, uh, well, for a while I could sort of put it, keep it in the background, but then God would begin to speak to me about it and tell me that I should, really should go to that person and confess. And, well, you know how we are. <laughs> it's not easy to go to someone and confess, is it? And so we, well, we try to soothe our conscience and say, well, I confess to God and but you know, uh, I had the experience sometimes that 
God would remind me of that, and every time I tried to pray, that thing would come. That thing would be before me until I went, until I got the courage to go and make it right. And then I had freedom again to get through to God. So definitely unconfessed sin will hinder prayer. Any, any comments on that? Or testimonies? Amen. Yeah, I suppose many of you could testify to that. Yeah, I have a few verses here. Again, some of this I think is my notes from Bible school. We have the well-known verse in Psalms, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Or God said through the prophet Isaiah, Your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, that he will not hear. A guilty conscience def definitely makes it difficult to pray. That's just what we were saying. No sin is too small to hinder prayer. <clears throat> and we have some examples in the Bible. I thought of King Saul. Uh, Saul, he started out well, but he began the, the, downward, the downward way of just one sin after the other, it seems. And finally he was... You know, going at chasing after David and trying to take his life, adding that to all his other sins, he was ending up far away from God, rejecting God, I believe. And then uh, the time came, Samuel was now gone, he couldn't go to Samuel anymore for help or advice, and so now the Philistines were coming against Israel, and Saul was afraid, so he went to God. He thought about God. He went to God and asked for help. It said God didn't hear him. God didn't answer Saul. He resorted to going to a witch then. But I think there's something like rejecting God so long. Now, yes, we can still repent. As long as we have, have it in our heart to, to repent, God will hear our prayer of repentance. But I think there's something like going against God so long that then when trouble comes, we want to cry out to God. He, he won't hear us. I think it says that somewhere in, somewhere in the Old Testament, God said something like this. Well, I called and you didn't answer. And now you're calling and I'm not going to answer. And we would have a number of other examples in the Bible of that. Even here in, in the, the Lord's Prayer, uh, what does it say about, see, we ask God to forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, right? So what about if we don't forgive our debtors? Well, that will hinder God. That will keep God from forgiving us. And it, will, it will certainly hinder our relationship with God. And also Jesus said that when there's broken relationships, it hinders our, our prayer life. He said if you bring your gift to the altar... And uh, remember that your brother has something against you. Then let your gift there by the altar and go and be reconciled. And then come and offer your gift. I think broken relationships hinder our prayers. If we in our heart are holding a grudge against someone, have ill feelings, a bad attitude toward a person, it's going to hinder our prayer life. <clears throat> Any more comments on that? <clears throat> okay, I uh, have some here now. Uh, here I, I'm, and some of these we probably talked about last evening, but maybe we can expand on them a little. Uh, here I have some things listed that, like I said, they're more matters of not disciplining ourselves properly. I have about five here, and I'm not sure, but I, as I recall, I think in my class at CBS, I asked the students before the class to, to give me some, uh, 
some, some of their thoughts, some of their things that they find uh, as a hindrance to prayer. And as I recall, these are some things that, uh, that I was given. <clears throat> Being too busy. How do we handle that? Or what is your experience? If I'm busy, I, I do the worst thing that's cut out prayer Why are we that way? To cut out the most important, the most important thing in our lives, right? Our relationship with God. Why are we that way that we tend to cut that out? We're selfish. We're selfish. Okay. How, do, how do you handle it? Right. I think it's a matter of priority, and uh, we make. Go ahead, Doug. Is it also because there's less accountability? We're not accountable. Good thought, yeah. Yeah. We'll get in trouble if we don't show up for work, probably. We don't show up for lunch or dinner or whatever, our wife might wonder why, why not, but we might be able to hide it if we skip on our prayer life, right? I remember, uh, yeah, I, I milked cows for years, of course, and uh, got up pretty early in the morning to do that. And I remember that uh, when we sold our dairy then, uh, I, I thought, well, you know, I can... I can sleep a good bit longer in the morning. Uh, this would be kind of nice to sleep longer. And I, I probably, well, no, I don't sleep much longer than I did then. But anyway, uh, it was around that time then that I heard the, re the recording of a message by Pablo Yoder. And it was entitled, uh, What? He took it from scripture. What? Can ye not watch with me one hour? And the point he was making is, can we not give one hour of the day, of our 24 hours, can we not give one hour to God? Well, I, I, well, I must say I don't spend an hour in the morning usually, but it, it convicted me that you know, I, can, I can still get up early enough to have some time with God. Some of that time that I spent milking cows would be well spent in prayer. Any other thoughts? How do we handle it? Uh, well, I think it's, it's a matter of, yeah, we just need to set a time and a place. Just like we have time, a meal time, we, we, we know it's important to eat, so we have physical strength, so we have a set time. I think we should have a set time to meet God. And it's not limited to that by no means. But I really think we need, uh, in our busy schedule, we need to have a set time. This is when we spend time with the Lord. Anything else on that? That's true, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a matter of what's, what's really important to us. Maybe even what we enjoy. <laughs> Maybe we have never learned to enjoy praying. Maybe we're only looking at it as a duty. So it gets a little boring. We just go through the form. But I think if we can learn to enjoy fellowship with God, we'll probably give it priority, right? Here's another one that I think I was given by some young people. What about that? Now, these are not things that are wrong in themselves. There's nothing wrong with sports and media. I think uh, an amount, a certain amount of that is okay. But I, at the same time, I'm aware that it's so easy to get so caught up in those things 
that it chokes out the more important things in life. What does the Bible say about that? Was it Paul that wrote, bodily exercise profiteth how much? Little. Yeah, it profits a little. It's good to get exercise, keep yourself healthy and so on. You might live a little bit longer. It profiteth little. But godliness, what does he say about that? Godliness is profitable unto all things, he says. Having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. So while bodily exercise will do us some good for now, we're, we're going to get old and wear out anyhow. <laughs> but godliness is good for now and it's good forever. So why not give that priority? Why then do we let things that have such little value steal our time that we ought to be spending in things that have eternal value? Little time, okay. For a little time, it would be saying, okay. Anything else on that? And I'm not saying sports are wrong, don't get me wrong. But I'm just encouraging that we don't get so caught up in those things that we don't have time for the Lord. Wondering thoughts. Have any trouble with this? When it comes time to pray, your thoughts are just going all over the place. How do you handle that? I think there's a lot about preparation. Your thoughts will go where they were just before you started. Okay. I believe that's true. So you get up in the morning. First thing you do is look at your phone. Check the weather and check the news and your emails and then pray. <laughs> Maybe that's not the best way. Maybe that leads to wandering thoughts then when you want to pray. I would encourage that. Uh, and, and I don't know when your set time is to pray, but I hope that we all at least briefly uh, meet God in the morning through prayer. And I would encourage that we make that the first thing, before we check out the news and a lot of other things, meet God. And I think it'll be much easier to focus on praying then. And that goes for, okay, if we pray in the evening. If we have been going all day long and just thinking about earthly things and never gave a thought to God or his word or anything spiritual. If, we, if our mind has been taken up all day long with earthly things, it's going to be pretty difficult at the end of the day to get on our knees and pray to God. It's so much easier if we're communing with God during the day. You know, we're, we're uh, yes, we're, we're in an attitude of prayer constantly. Yeah, we have to think of other things, but there's many times in the day when we can be breathing prayers and thinking about God. Well, we had in uh, scripture here, we had last evening about shutting the door. I think that's uh, part of shutting the door is meeting God first. <clears throat> Any other thoughts on that? Maybe you have some other, maybe you have found some other way to overcome that thing of wondering thoughts. Sometimes I think we can just tell God about what we're thinking too. There may be, okay, we may be, something may come to our mind that's sort of bothering us. Maybe something, some challenge we're facing in the day. Uh, and so we tend to think about that as we get up in the morning and that might keep us from focusing on God, but it doesn't need to if we tell God about it, bring it to God. Tell him our thoughts and our feelings. I think that's right that we do that.
not feeling a need of God. Well, I'm not, I'm not sure what to say about this one, except that we need to repent of it if we don't feel a need of God. In fact, God, if we don't feel a need of God, God might be so kind to us as allow something in our life to make us feel our need of him. You know, God chastens us sometimes. Well, he always, whenever he chastens us, it's, we know it's for our good. It's because he loves us and wants the best for us. So sometimes God has to get our attention by allowing hardships in our life. In fact, we, we would probably acknowledge that if everything would always be easy in life, we would tend to feel very self-sufficient and wouldn't feel a need of God. It's, it's those hard times, and hopefully we feel a need of God always, but especially in the hard times, it reminds us. There's something about that that drives us to our knees and reminds us of how much we need God. <clears throat> Lack of privacy. <clears throat> how do you handle this? I realize it might be easier for some of us than others to have a private place of prayer. If you're a young person and share your room with someone of your siblings, it might be a challenge. Or in dorm life in Bible school or somewhere like that. You know, you, how, how do you handle that? How do you practice this of uh, going into your closet and shutting your door at a time like that? Oh, and you have some testimonies, I suppose. Some of you have been, uh, lived in dorms. How do you handle that? Can we shut our door when we're not alone? Well, I think, yeah, I think there are situations like that when we need to somehow learn the best we can to, uh, to just between God and I and uh, not be so conscious of others around us. Now, usually in Bible schools and places like that, there is also provision made often a, a prayer closet somewhere where you can go to, to to really be alone with God. So I realize that it can be a challenge sometimes, but at the same time, I, I encourage that somehow, at least sometimes, we find a place where literally there's no one else there, and it's just me and God. I think we need those times. <clears throat> any, any more comments on, on these points? This is the last one I have here. <clears throat> Okay, I think we'll move on then to uh, fasting and prayer, which is really our topic for the evening. And I'll say this right up front, that I'm, I don't feel all that qualified to talk on this subject. Uh, yeah, I have, I'm, uh, skipping meals sometimes for the sake of praying and and seeking God, but I'll confess I have, have little experience in extended fasts over a period of time. And so I'm, I'm just being honest and saying that's how it is. That's who I am. And I can probably learn to, I'm sure I, I can learn to do better in that. And I'm sure there's some of you out there that would be better qualified. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, you know, because we're not to appear as though we fast. But uh, anyway, I hope we can learn something as we look at this subject. Uh, as you see, the first point I have here under a definition and purpose of fasting and prayer, or fasting, uh, voluntary abstinence for a time from various necessities of life. So notice this is not, uh, not talking about sin, but these are things that are good and necessary in themselves 
like food, drink, sleep, rest, association with people, and there's probably more could be added to that list. Uh, <clears throat> Some of you remember of David Wilkerson. How many of you remember heard of David Wilkerson? Yeah. Well, he was a pastor and an evangelist, and I think early in his life already, as I recall. But he used to, uh, at the end of the day, he would watch TV for a couple hours because he felt that he just kind of needed that to unwind, you know. And him being a Christian, I doubt if he looked at anything dirty or immoral. Probably clean stuff he looked at, but he just kind of felt he needed it to kind of unwind for the day. <clears throat> but uh, God began speaking to him and telling him that maybe there's a better way to spend his couple hours at the end of the day. And so he became convicted of it, and he got rid of his TV. And he decided to uh, instead spend those couple hours praying and seeking the face of God. And as he did that, God put it on his heart to go to New York City and minister to the gangs there in New York City. And so he was the founder of Teen Challenge that I think we still have today, still operating today as a uh, ministry to drug addicts because he was willing to deny himself of something that maybe wasn't sinful in itself but was stealing precious time that could be used in a better way. <clears throat> Okay. Now, I'm not saying we can't add these things. Mm -hmm. But I think according to the scripture, and when we think of historical the fact that people fast, and even what we know of people fasting in other nations, other lands, much more proper than we do. Mm -hmm. Why it's, it's uh, denying ourselves of food. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with you, Floyd. In the scripture, I think almost always at least, when we read about fasting, it, it means just that, abstaining from food. Not, I'm not saying that a person cannot, I mean, also deny himself of these other things. Mm -hmm. But if we do deny ourselves of food, it might even help us in these other issues that come. Okay, appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just uh, expanding a little this evening to some other things because I, I think there's some of these other things that, uh, that we need to discipline ourselves on, too. <clears throat> uh, just a few more definitions or uh, comments here that I picked up. I don't have these on the overhead here. but Fasting is more about replacing than it is about abstaining. Uh, yes, it's abstaining from food, but not as an end in itself, not just to prove that we can go without food for a while. Yeah, you can fast for health reasons too and so on, but the fasting that this is talking about, the Bible talks about is uh, abstaining from food so we can replace it with something that has greater value, right? Communion with God. Uh, why, why, does, why does fasting help us to commune with God? Okay. I think that's probably true. Every time my belly growls. What was that, Dave? Every time my belly growls, I should think, what my heart from? I'm thinking about why I'm, why I'm not eating it. Mm -hmm. Why I'm fasting. Yeah, I think you know, our, it takes a certain amount of energy to digest our food. and our, So if we have our, a full stomach, our our body is working at digesting that food and uh, some of that blood maybe or energy that goes into digesting our food, if our stomach is not full, maybe that can be going to our mind, to our brain. I've actually heard it explained that way. 
that, uh, yeah. And so I would suggest if you have a problem falling asleep at church or a problem concentrating, you might want to just try coming to church with an empty stomach or at least not a, eating a great big breakfast before you come. Just try coming with an empty stomach. It might help you to be able to concentrate better and stay awake. You know, there's, there's, there's some actual physical things about this, I think, that, that help to make it work. <clears throat> Anything more about that? I appreciate that, yeah. We have the same thing with Cornelius, I think. See, what does it say about Cornelius? He was a Gentile and he fasted and gave alms. I think Tim read that the other evening. And then, uh, see, then God came, or I can't get all together, but. Uh, yeah, was that God that said that? Or did Peter say it? Or I don't recall exactly how it was, but. Okay, yeah. It is, says so much anyhow, your prayer is heard, your, your alms are come up before God or something like that. So yeah, I appreciate that point. I think there's something about being willing to abstain from food and maybe some other things too that it, it kind of tells God we mean business, right? We're serious about this. Another definition is replacing normal activities with focused times of prayer and feeding on God's word. It's more about longing for the power and presence of Jesus than restricting our appetites. Maybe that's why we don't fast more, because we don't have enough of a longing to just get closer to God. Like I said last evening, I think there are dimensions of fellowship with God that we have yet to reach. I know I do. And possibly if I'd fast more, I could experience more of that. <clears throat> Fasting is like turning the volume down on our flesh and turning it up on the spirit. <clears throat> Any more thoughts on that? So you're saying maybe we should uh, cut out a little of that time every day and pray instead? <laughs> but at times, right? At times we can, yeah. Yeah, it's true. We spend a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of money in feeding our body, right? And we could probably do with less. Sure we could. There's lots of people in the world that go to bed hungry. Yeah, I, I find out a wonderful time to talk to God when I'm alone out in the road driving. And I think we probably all have times like that uh, in our daily schedule when we could be use, using those little segments of time to fellowship with God. <clears throat> okay, this one says, is, In nothing is man more closely connected with the world of sense than in his need and enjoyment of food. Without voluntary separation, even from what is lawful, no one will attain power in prayer. Fasting, fasting is described as to loosen to some degree the ties which bind us to the world of material things in order that we may concentrate on the unseen and eternal. 
Here's another one. Faith needs a life of prayer in which to grow and keep strong. Prayer needs fasting for its full and perfect development. The Hebrew word, I understand, for fasting actually means humble submission of the soul to God. There's something about doing without food, doing without some uh, normal things of life, sacrificing some of those things, uh, and focusing on God that, that shows that we're submitting to him. We realize that he owes, we owe him our uh, first allegiance. He is more important to us than these material things. I'm going to be looking now at uh, some, just a few examples we have of, in the Bible of fasting. I uh, just have a list here. Under the law, of course, they were told to uh, fast, to afflict their soul, it's called. Uh, there was certain days that, beside the regular Sabbath day, there were certain, there were certain days that they were to fast and, and not to work. I have the example in uh, Judges of uh, a time of crisis for Israel. There was a time when they were having like a civil war. Uh, the tribe of Benjamin, I think, was almost wiped out. And so they fasted and they cried out to God. Of course, we have the example in Esther, book of Esther. Now, most times, fasting is connected with prayer, I think, or often. Now, the book of Esther, it doesn't mention prayer. Esther asked that they fast, but I would assume that they also prayed. So time, there are certain times that prayer isn't mentioned, but I think uh, prayer often went along with fasting. In Jonah, when Jonah preached to the Ninevites, people of Nineveh. He uh, called them to repentance, and the king called the people together, and they fasted and prayed and repented. Book of Joel tells us about a time of disaster for Israel, and they fasted and prayed. After the captivity in Zechariah, I just looked at that verse today. It actually mentions four fasts that they were to have throughout the year. It mentions the months. I forget which month it was, but four fasts they were to have. And then we have the scriptures in uh, Matthew. Uh, was that one incident especially that's interesting? When this man brought his son to Jesus. No, he brought him to the disciples first, right? Remember that story? What was, what was the problem with this son? He had seizures. Yeah, he got seizures. He, he had a, a demon, actually, it tells us. And this demon would throw him into the water and into the fire, and it must have been awful. And so the man brought him to the disciples, and... They, they couldn't do anything about it. Anyway, he came to Jesus then. He said, I, I brought my son to the disciples to cast out this demon. They, they couldn't. Well, Jesus went on to cast him out. And then what happened? Yeah, the disciples came to Jesus and said, well, why, why couldn't we cast him out? What did he say? He said, first, first thing he said was because of your unbelief. Now, this is interesting. He said, because of your unbelief. He, he lamented their lack of faith. Then he said, this kind doesn't go out but by prayer and fasting. And this tells me that prayer and fasting strengthens our faith. Right? They were weak in faith. They weren't praying and fasting enough. This was a very unusual situation. This demon was doing awful things with this son. And Jesus said, because of your unbelief, you weren't able to cast him out. You need to pray and fast. And then you'll have the faith to do these things. <clears throat> Any other comments on that? Some important times to fast. Uh, Matthew 4, 
That's when uh, Jesus went into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil, it says. And he fasted and prayed for 40 days, right? Do you think that was... Okay, is that physically possible uh, outside of a miracle, outside of the miraculous intervention of God? Pardon? 37 days without food. How about water? Water. I, I, I think it is possible for a person to go that long without food. Am I right? I've been told it is. I had a brother that did it two times. Okay. That's interesting. Water, probably just several days, as I understand it. But there are times, I think, in the Bible, was it Moses or was it Jesus that he didn't eat or drink for 40 days? I think that's found somewhere in the Bible. But anyway, uh, I think it's a lesson for us that, yes, uh, as we struggle with temptations, we need to come to God, be serious about this, and fast and pray and seek victory. If there's some area of our life that we are struggling with, just defeated, Get serious with God about it. Let him know you're serious about getting victory. <clears throat> yeah, see, where am I at here? I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay. Uh, before making important decisions. See, this was Jesus, right? In Luke when he was about, and we talked about this last evening, he was about to choose his 12 disciples from among the larger group of disciples. And what did he do? He spent all night in prayer. So could we call this fasting from sleep? Is there something like that? Doing without sleep for spiritual reasons? I think our, we know we, we function best when we get the sleep we need, right, usually. But I believe there are times that we could sacrifice some sleep uh, to pray. I think God will honor that at times if we are willing to, to lose some sleep over some things of God. Maybe there is someone in our family that's lost. And we have a burden on our heart. Maybe we should do as Jesus did. Spend part of the night in prayer or all night. Really get serious about it. <clears throat> Any comments? And the last one there. When planning and carrying out difficult tasks. We find this in Acts 13. Yes, yeah, Acts 13. What was happening there in Acts 13? Yeah, it was the church at Antioch. And it says as they fasted and prayed, the Lord said, separate me, or the Spirit said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul. In other words, I think they were, this church was getting a vision of Sending people out to spread the gospel. Because they were fasting and praying, God laid this burden on their heart, this vision. We need to spread the gospel. And so they, called, they chose Barnabas and Saul to do this. And then they fasted and prayed some more and sent them out. Hmm, yeah, we've been talking about outreach and church plant and we've been encouraged to fast and pray about it and I, I appreciate that and maybe we just need to do that some more maybe we need to be a little more like the church at Antioch and just pray and fast and maybe God will lay that burden on our heart we got to do this that's what it takes it takes inspiration the inspiration of the spirit of God 
He wants us to do this. Fasting and praying. <clears throat> okay, I'd like to just touch a little bit yet on another area here. We have about 10 minutes left, I think. And this is a quote out of uh, Gary Miller's book. And I was going to look what the title of that book is. One of his latest books on something about tech. It's on technology. And I would really encourage you to get that book and read it. It's sort of especially for young people, but it's, it's really for everybody. And he's, he's not against technology. He, he, he recognizes the value of technology, and I do too. But there's some eye-opening things he has to say about the effects that that can have on a person. <clears throat> so he says this way, fast from more than just food. Anytime you sense some passion or part of your life beginning to take control, have the courage to declare a fast. Analyze your relationship with technology often and take an occasional fast. This will allow you to ensure that you are controlling your device rather than the device controlling you. I'd encourage us to consider that. A lot of us have smartphones, and they're really a nice tool. I use mine a lot. They're a handy tool for a lot of things. But I think we know they're more than just that. Are you, con are you in control of that device? Or is it controlling you? Now, if, if you need your phone in church to look at your schedule after church or for some other good purpose, that's okay. I have nothing against you having your, church, your phone with you in church. But if it presents a temptation to you to look at something that's not necessary during church, you'd probably be better off Letting it in the vehicle or letting it at home. And I know we can read the Bible on our phone. I tend to feel like Mel shared here in a message recently. But yeah, it's the same word on our phone. But you know, there's only just a couple clicks. And it'll be entirely something else in front of your eyes. And so if that is creating a temptation for you, let it outside. Fast from it, if you want to call it that. I think there's so much danger in that. It grieves my heart, I'll just be frank. When I see a person sitting in church and can't stay off their phone, it grieves my heart. There's more important things about worship than that. I think that's part of self-discipline. If we really want a relationship with God that's satisfying, we're going to have to discipline ourselves in some of that technology stuff. Any comments? <clears throat> I have one more slide here I'd like to just look at briefly as we have time. Tips for a meaningful prayer life. <clears throat> Just some suggestions how we might be able to make our prayer life more meaningful. First one I have is, yeah, choose a specific place. We talked about this. I think it's important. That prayer is a part of our schedule. And so we have a place to go to regularly to pray. <clears throat> and the next one, of course, is similar to that. Have a regular time. And it's not, probably not the same for all of us. Whatever works best for you. But take time. Make it a part of your schedule. Just like you make it a part of your schedule to eat and do whatever else you consider important. Make it a part of your schedule to pray. Here's another one. Pray audibly. Some of you probably do this. I find that a blessing sometimes. Pray out loud. I'm not sure what it is about it. 
But it's a blessing to pray out loud. <clears throat> Have a prayer list, either in your mind or on paper or on your phone or wherever. Uh, but hopefully your prayer life goes beyond just praying about your own needs and asking things of God. Hopefully you are, there are people, situations that you're praying for regularly. That helps to, yeah, that helps to make our prayer life meaningful. Have a prayer list. Make use of unused corners of your schedule. We talked about this. We, we probably all have little segments of time here and there throughout the day that we could just be praying. Just a, a short prayer to God, maybe. Daniel, you know, had three, three times a day he prayed. <clears throat> Change pace. I think Floyd mentioned this the other evening. Well-rounded prayers. Yeah, praise God sometimes. Thank God. Ask things of God. Even quote scripture. I find that a blessing. Is that okay to quote scripture to God? I think it is. God, this is what you said. Your word says this. Now, God doesn't need to be reminded, but there's something about quoting scripture in prayer that's meaningful. Or sing. Keep a prayer journal. I've done that already. It can be a blessing. Write, write your prayer down every morning. What's on your heart? Just jot a few things down. It's interesting to go back later and look at it. <clears throat> Pray with someone else. Of course, this is uh, getting beyond the closet prayer now, but yeah, if I, oh, this, this, is, this is a wide open area, you know. Pray with others. Pray and gather together collectively and pray, or pray with other individuals. If there's a burden on your heart, find someone to pray with you. Or if you sense that someone else has a burden, suggest that you have prayer with them. Right, I appreciate that, yeah. And it's good. We can, we can tell people we'll pray for them. But, yeah, sometimes we need to pray with them. And, and, and by the way, uh, sometimes it is good, though, to tell people we are praying for them. Uh, and I'm thinking of, uh, okay, people that are, we, we don't see face-to-face. -face. Missionaries, others that are out somewhere serving, we don't see them face-to-face. -face. And uh, they can sort of assume that we're praying for them. They can assume that the church back home is supporting them in prayer, but they probably like to hear it too. To have that, to hear that, to, to have somebody tell you that or send you that message is, is certainly meaningful. Okay, the last one is pray sentence prayers. In other words, you don't always have, your prayer time doesn't have to always be a long period of time. Find those little segments in the day when you can, Pray sentence prayers. Okay, any, any comments before we close? All right, God bless you.